All right, remain standing, take your Bibles, turn to the book of Luke chapter four. Thank you, Pastor Alex. Busy morning this morning. Luke chapter four and uh, verse 31 will be our main text, reading through verse 44. We do have notes if you'd like them, and I think they've already been passed out. Luke chapter four and verse 31. If you're all there, say amen. Very good. Then he went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath, he taught the people. They were amazed at his teaching because his words had authority. In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, go away. What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. I think somebody just got set free right there. (laughs) And the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. And all the people were amazed and said to each other, what words these are with authority and power. He gives orders to impure spirits and they come out. And the news about him spread throughout all the surrounding area. Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever. What kind of a fever? A high fever. And they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over and rebuked the fever and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. At sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various diseases, sickness, sicknesses, and laying hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people shouting, you are the son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew that he was the Messiah. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place and the people were looking for him. And when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must proclaim good news of the kingdom of God to other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you for your goodness towards us and all that you've done. And now in the moments that remain in this service, we pray that you would move with ever-increasing power. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. What a powerful text. If you go to the first part of Luke chapter 4, you'll see that Jesus is led out into the wilderness. He's been baptized by John the Baptist. And he's led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. And he's there for 40 days and was tempted. He's, he's eating nothing. He's fasting. I want to let you know, for those of you that are fasting, that the breakthrough frequently comes after the fast. Many times the breakthrough comes during the fast, but breakthrough frequently, mostly I should say, comes after the fast. And so after his 40 days of being tempted, he was able to overcome the temptation that questioned his identity over and over and over by using the Word of God. The devil used the Word of God. And Jesus answered the word of God with the word overcoming every assignment and every test that he was, that he was at. And then he was there that he returns in verse 14. 
Jesus returned. Now, these are not the main texts I'm going to preach to you from, but they're important to understand the context. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Let me just stop and say the power of the Spirit is different than just being full. God wants you to walk in the power of the Spirit. He wants the power of the Spirit put on display. And that's very clear, the display that he puts on through the power of the Spirit. Listen, I'm not just here because of a a coffee stand or a mocha. I'm not here because of some great music or anything like that. And I believe the music was great and worship was great. You know what's kept me in church all these years? The power of God. Not, not, Not the eloquence of man, not the wisdom of man, not some cute teaching or even some eloquent teaching, but the power and the demonstration of the Spirit. God is bigger than any problem that you have, any struggle that you're facing. He's bigger than any addiction. He's bigger than depression. He's bigger than the assignment the enemy's tried to put upon you. He can raise the dead. He can heal the sick. He can set the captives free. And the truth is, if there are demons that come to church, now I'm going to get to that in a minute. All right. Aren't you glad you came to KC? So he returns to the power of the Spirit and he's teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth. Where did he go? Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath, he went to to church. On the Sabbath, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read, and he read from the prophet Isaiah, verse 18, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, and to the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, verse 20, gave it back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. And then they say this, Isn't this Joseph's son? They asked. And Jesus said to them, Surely you will quote this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself. And you will tell me, do here in your hometown what you, that which you did in Capernaum. And I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you, there are many widows in, in Israel in Elijah's time. When the sky was shut up for three and a half years, there was severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them but a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy. And he begins to talk to them about why he's not going to do miracles there. You see, the condition of miracles, if you look at this text and look in Mark and other places, Jesus, the king of the kingdom, comes to Nazareth and doesn't do miracles because they had a lack of honor, a lack of respect, because they, they, they said, isn't this Joseph? In Mark, it says, and aren't these his, his, his sister and his mother? Don't we, don't we, we I, didn't, you babysat him, didn't you? Didn't you? I re, oh, I remember when little baby Jesus, we changed his shorts. You see, they, they dumbed down the king of the kingdom to just somebody and shut down the power of God through their, their mental offense. But Capernaum, it was not that way. In Capernaum, they received him in such a way that his kingdom was released. And I've found this, that in every service I do and in places that I minister, you have those that are like those of Nazareth who will be like, oh, so what are you going to do now? 
I've heard about your church. We, 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 let me see what you're going to do. Yeah, you're going to get nothing. <laughs> Except for the sovereignty of God. And he just loves you. He might touch you. No, no, come. I need to. There, there's people that will come and try to look in on the things of God as a rubbernecker. How many of you know what a rubbernecker is? I said rubber necker. It's the main thing that causes accidents and, and roadblocks and stuff. When there's accidents, you know, traffic backs up because people just strain their neck to see what's happening. They slow way down. And it's good to slow down, but people stare so much that it becomes this giant traffic jam when it was just a flat tire. There's always people that are like Nazareth, and God knows I've been like that in my life. I never want to be that again. And then there's people that are like those of Capernaum who are hungry and they're thirsty and they're desperate. They're sick and tired of being sick and tired of them. Like, God, I don't care who preaches, but God, Lord, please, please, won't you help me? The, 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 the outpouring at, at Azusa Street. Have you heard of that? The Azusa Street outpouring. A, a, a one-eyed man named William Seymour. Thank you. I mean, it's like God got a sense of humor. He's got one eye, and his, his name is William Seymour. He would, put his, he would put his head in a chicken crate, and he would pray for the power of God to come. They would have prayer meetings in this upper room, and then they would go downstairs and have these church services. And a, a man came from Georgia, as I recall reading, and he came, and he wanted the power of God. He sat there for three weeks. He went to the, went to the prayer meetings, went to all the services down below, and he would, he would talk to the Lord and said, God, I want your power. And he just felt like he needed to answer the altar call and have William Seymour lay hands on him. But he said, no, no, I'm not having any black man lay hands on me. You can touch me right where I'm at. And the Lord said to him, you're not having anything then. So for three weeks, he sat there and suffered because he was prejudiced. And then after three weeks, he thought, man, I've got a problem. And he repented before the Lord. He came up, William Seymour laid hands on him. He got filled with the fire of God and he headed back to Georgia. And there's churches all over that area because he got touched by the spirit. God is not obligated to touch you tonight or today or anytime. He touches us in direct proportion to the hunger that we have. And if in your mind you shut it down because, oh, well, the Lord doesn't do that. Well, then you just might get that. This text is amazing to me. It's, uh, you know, living in Hawaii, right, writing your notes now, I lived in Hawaii for about 14 years, my wife and I, and I don't, I don't know if you know this about Hawaii, but it's really in all warm places, there's this ancient creature called the cockroach. <laughs> Some of you don't know what a cockroach sounds like, but they have a sound. And uh, I, when I was a single man, I, Karen and I were courting, and um, I remember bringing her back to my apartment that was not as clean as maybe it should be. And uh, we turned on the lights and the walls were kind of moving. Think, think, there were things that were running across the kitchen and she just freaked out. Ah! She freaked out. You turn the lights on as all of a sudden there's cockroaches everywhere. This text is Luke 4. As he begins to release the power of the kingdom of God, it's like a light being turned on and demons running everywhere. It's like if you go in your backyard at springtime or in the summer and you flip over a log and you just see millipedes and everything running for dear life because the lights are now on. That's what this text is like. And again, this great contrast between Nazareth and Capernaum. Nazareth could have had the kingdom of God released there, but... As it says in Mark, he could just do a few miracles because he couldn't believe. 
But in Capernaum, he sets up the base of operations that it's his base camp where he begins to set out and expand the kingdom of God. I want to talk to you about the kingdom of God today. The kingdom of God. Everywhere that Jesus went, he preached the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom is not just salvation and receiving the Messiah, repenting of your sin and being born again, although it certainly includes that. But it, it's, it's, it's every part of the kingdom, all that the kingdom is. That's what the gospel of the kingdom is. In Luke 4, verse 43, I believe it's our key verse, but he said, I must proclaim the good news of the gospel of the kingdom in other towns also, for that is why I was sent the kingdom of God. A look at the kingdom of God. Roman numeral 2. The synoptic gospels. Now the synoptic gospels are the, the three gospels that have commonality. So it's Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It doesn't include John. John's very different. But the synoptic gospels all have the same theme, which is the, the, the kingdom of God. Or as Matthew says, the kingdom of heaven. Let me read this to you in Mark 1 and 15. The time has come, he said, Jesus. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. In Matthew 4, verse 17, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven is synonymous, the same thing. Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is the Sermon on the Mount. I maybe you ever heard of the Sermon on the Mount. I've been preparing a series for like over a year. I've been, maybe one day I'll get to preach it as the Spirit moves us to. The Sermon on the Mount. Now this is revelation, what I'm about to tell you. The Sermon on the Mount was Jesus preaching a sermon on the mountain. Amen. That's what that is. I, when, I, when I figured that out, I'm like, whoa! Yeah, that's where they got the name, the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah, Sermons on the Mountain. And he sat down and he began to teach them the Sermon on the Mount of the bylaws of the kingdom. You want to know the attitudes and how to function and how to operate in the kingdom? Obey this, do the Sermon on the Mount. If you don't do the Sermon on the Mount, you will not have a vibrant heart for God. Some of you are dull in your, in your heart, in your vibrancy for God because you don't do the Word. Listen, if you just go to church to hear a few sermons and, and then go home and don't apply it, if this is the only feeding you get all week, you're, you're, that's the wrong kind of fast. You don't want to fast from the Word of God. You want to feast on it all the days of your life. But the kingdom of God is a unifying theme throughout the Bible. Adam and Eve. So let me just walk you through some of this. Adam and Eve... God created Adam out of the dust of the ground. He breathed life into Adam. Everything else was created by the spoken word. And I've said this before, but the kingdom of God is a voice-activated kingdom. So God would speak and there would be light. And I'm going to tell you that you're going to need to speak. Diastomai is two mouths. One, one theologian said it this way. The word of God is, is sharper than any two-edged sword Diastomai, two-edged sword, die to, like dice. Stomai, mouth. The word of God comes to you, and then when it comes out of your mouth, it has two edges on it. One edge from heaven, the other edge out of your mouth when you speak it. If you learn to speak the word of God, you'll change things. So Adam is, is created by God's hand and, and breathes life into his nostrils. Oh, some of you want to hear the sound of a cockroach. I'm so sorry. You're like, what's that sound? This is it. Just saying. You want to hear that again? You missed it? They make this kind of crackly, sizzly, run for your life sound. 
all right, very good. Let's come. You're not going to remember anything else I say for the rest of the service. So God made Adam and he put him in the garden to tend and to keep it. Shamar, he's, he's a watchman. He's God's representative. And to understand the dimension of how big and how powerful and how important was Adam, there's no way that we can, we can really fathom that until you look at the context of the last Adam. You see, Adam could do anything except to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which is like the tithe. You can have everything but that. And they failed. Yet in their failure, God makes a way for them, preaching what is called, theologians call the proto-evangelum, the first time the gospel is preached. Now, many of you have heard this before, but the curse is being proclaimed on the woman and on the man and on the serpent. And the Lord says, the seed of the woman will crush your head. Now, if you study that, it's singular seed. We talked about seeds earlier. The seed of a woman would be a child. The seed of the woman will crush your head. What the Lord is doing is he's prophesying that millennium later would come the last Adam. The seed of the woman, the Messiah, who will crush your head, meaning destroy the works of the devil. And that is the reason that Jesus was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. So Adam and Eve in the garden were, were to represent God. And their role in the garden is, is gigantic. You see, God was constantly looking for family. But the family constantly failed. And even Adam and Eve, when they failed in dying, they surely would die. The death process began. They're separated from God, no nor walking with Him in the cool of the day. They're kicked out of the garden. They begin to be fruitful and multiply. But even in their fruitful and multiplication, there is sin now within man. And you see Cain and Abel and the first murder takes place. And God's constantly reaching to his people and they're constantly rejecting him. And constantly trying to have supernatural power. And you can look through Genesis and I've preached series on it before. It's really the first 11 chapters are a foundation for your life. So you need to understand the first 11 specifically in Genesis. And you'll see mankind, they'd make a tower, the Tower of Babel. They made this tower to, to basically unite with darkness. And God came and destroyed it. And, and then the, 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 the sons of God came and took daughters from men. And this, it seems that this ungodly race of half demons and half humans are come in Genesis chapter 6. Now I've preached on that too. We won't, we won't go there right now, even though some of you are totally freaked out. And you can look at First Peter and how that relates to all of that. And God had to bring a flood and why such horror that, that, that God wiped him out with a flood. And there's a lot of different ways to interpret that, but that's how I see that scripture. I guess when we get to heaven, we'll all know. So there's a flood and God gets a Noah, a preacher of righteousness who makes a boat. God's constantly looking for someone, constantly looking for someone to bring the kingdom, constantly looking for someone to be his representatives again, constantly looking. But Noah, well, he rescues his family. I mean, a preacher of righteousness and a crooked and a depraved generation. And yet he was righteous without blame and without being crooked. Yet when the flood is over, they come out and his son sins. Does some homosexual act is actually what the text says. And the curse continues. And God eventually finds an Abraham. 
a man of righteousness who believed God and was accredited to him as righteousness and, and tells him he's going to have a son and his son's name is Isaac. He believes God against all odds and being you know, past the age of being able to have children. And the types and shadows of Isaac on the mountain. In fact, Isaac was to be sacrificed on the same mountain that Jesus was crucified. I mean, you go read that, it's kind of mind-blowing. And so Isaac, and then Isaac, the family, and the 12 tribes, and this special nation, this special people, Israel. Isaac as Jacob. Jacob becomes Israel. Jacob means deceiver. Israel means prince of God. He gets a name change. And he has 12 sons. Two are adopted from Joseph. And those are the 12 tribes of Israel. And God looks to manifest his power through the nation of Israel. And they're still precious to him. And he gives them the law through Moses. And all of them fail over and over and over and over. God constantly looking to manifest his kingdom. And then they want a king. We want a king like the rest of the nation. So they have Saul. They weren't too happy about that. Good looking guy, tall, all buff and murph and all that. He didn't do so good. And then David. Well, David, a man after God's own heart, he's going to do it. No, David sinned with Bathsheba. But God declared that through David, that, that, one, that his king would be on the throne forever and ever, talking about one coming from the lineage of David. And so all of these failures bring us to the prophetic word of the Messiah. And finally, one day, when time becomes full, that God sent his one and only begotten son to step out of eternity into time and space to manifest like a burning, shining lamp as John the Baptist was, to manifest the light of God. The light of the world would be turned on and the cockroaches... Demons would run everywhere. It's like when you see Jesus on the scene, all of a sudden it's like light and dark. And that's this, the background of this text. And his, his word is that the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is near you. The kingdom of God of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is near you. The kingdom of God is this, is the rule of God. Now, I got that from a great book called by George Ladd. For those of you who like reading, George Ladd, The Kingdom of God. Go read it. The kingdom of God is expressed here in this text and is expressed today in the same way. Through word and deed. Through what? Through word and deed. The kingdom of God is not about food and drink, but of, of power, joy, and the Holy Ghost. The kingdom of God is not just teaching. It's not just nice words. It's power and demonstration together. And that's what Jesus did. I mean, the first recorded miracle of Jesus is casting out demons in church. Did you know that, that there are those of you who could be here, perhaps you're here and you have a demon? I'm not going to crack a joke after that because it's totally true. Listen, there's people on boards of churches that have demons. Is there demons on our board? No. How do you know? We, we make sure. How do you do that? The Lord leads us, guides us, directs us. How do I know if I have a demon? Well, maybe you have it. Listen, well, light and darkness can't dwell together. I had somebody get in an argument with me over it. They said, no, if, you, if you're saved, then you can't have a demon. Well, how do you know? Because I heard that light and darkness can't dwell. Yeah, I know there's a scripture there, but, but go look at Acts chapter 8, is it? Simon? Simon Magus. You all know him. 
Don't look at me like that because I'll start preaching that in a second. I'm trying to go like somewhere with the kingdom. Okay, forget it. Go to Acts 8. Praise God. We're off the notes now. Acts chapter 8. Turn there. Come on, we'll help you out. If I'm irritating you right now, maybe you're... Anyway. <laughs> Acts chapter 8. Okay. Verse 4. Those who've been scattered, we preach a whole message on this, but I'm, just not, I'm gonna just take a minute here. Ready? Go. Those who've been scattered, preach your word everywhere. Philip went down to Samaria. Where? Samaria. He proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs, he performed. So in other words, he's just not talking and teaching. He's doing stuff. He's sealing the sick. He's setting the captives free. They all paid close attention to him. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many. And many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So that there was great joy in the city. Now for some time, there was a man named Simon who practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great. And all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention, exclaimed, this man is rightly called the great power of God. Wow, well, they were deceived. Verse 11, they followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his sorcery. But when Philip, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God, of the what? You'll notice it doesn't say as he proclaimed Jesus died on a cross, you got to be saved. Now, I'm not belittling that. I'm just saying the gospel message is the kingdom of God. It's not just salvation unless you understand fully what salvation is. And then it is just salvation, sozo. It's salvation, healing, deliverance, provision. It's everything all together. That's what sozo is. That's what real salvation is. It's not that you just get, you know, to go to heaven when you die. So he proclaimed the good news of the, of the gospel of the kingdom of God. And in the name of Jesus Christ... They were baptized. They were what? Okay, so that's talking about baptism right on the other side. I think we have one tonight. We have a, a tank right here. I'm making the other one bigger so Pastor Vince and I can get in it. It's quite small. But that's a baptismal tank. Okay, that's what that's saying. So they're saying that they got baptized in water. Full submersion, that's what that's saying. Both men and women, Simon himself, who? I'm sorry, who? Simon. He's the sorcerer. He gets baptized and follows Philip. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Verse 13. Himself believed. What did he believe? He believed the gospel of the kingdom. He believed that Jesus Christ died on a cross, rose again from the grave. He believed in healing. He believed in the power of God. He believed that and he believed it. And guess what that means? It means he got saved. It means he's born again. That's what it means. And he's baptized. He's not only born again, but he goes underwater gets baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere. That means he's born again, he's been baptized, and he's in fellowship. By that criteria, he could apply for being a board member in most churches. And they followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the signs and wonders, miracles he saw, verse 14. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to go authenticate it. I've gone over a minute. Verse 15. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Fascinating. That's fascinating. Talking about the baptism of the Spirit. Another message. Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. 
They had only simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them that they would receive the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw, say that with me, when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of hands of the apostles, now, what did he see? Because it's not healing because he already saw that. It's not miracles because he already saw that. So he saw something else. And I will tell you what I believe is inferred. What's inferred is that they prayed in tongues. That's what I think is inferred. And he saw something different, some other manifestation that hadn't happened. They offered him money and said, give me also this ability. See, he's still thinking like a witch or warlock that with his money he can control and get power. And everyone I laying their hands on received the spirit. Peter answered in verse 20, may your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part share this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray the Lord that he may forgive you for having such a thought in your heart, for I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. Another version, and if you look at the Greek, it's bound, that you're bound by sin. So you can be born again in bondage. Bondage, referring to Isaiah and in other places, can be demonic bondage. Now listen, if you have a demon on your head or on your shoulder, what's the difference? And I've had somebody say to me, well, I'm a Christian, so I can't have any demons. No, if you sin, then you can have whatever, you, you'll, have, you'll have demons. You live a life of sin, call the name of Jesus, you'll, you, you, you'll have demons. Boy, we got off the notes. But that's helping someone. The kingdom of God is expressed in word and deed in the casting out of demons, verse 33. Number two, healing the sick and raising the dead. That's what you see Jesus do. You see, sickness, disease, alienation, listen to this now, sickness, disease, alienation, torment, all of that comes from darkness. Now, sometimes it's directly related to the devil, other times it's because of the fallenness of mankind, but I want you to turn to Romans 5, verse 18. You see, because of the sin of Adam, that's released in the earth and released in you and me. But because of the final Adam, the last item, as sin came into the world through one man, left through another for those who repent and believe. Romans 5, verse 18. Therefore, are you ready? Therefore, as through one man's offense, that's sin, judgment came to all, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. So he's talking about Adam. Sin came on mankind because of Adam, but because of the last Adam, because of the one man, Jesus, who died on a cross and rose again from the grave, you can be redeemed, you can be healed, you can be saved, you can be free, you can be loosed, you don't have to be under judgment, you can be justified. Just as if I never sinned. That's what that means, justified. Because of the, the blood. Let me read the, 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 the final verse here, verse 19. For as one man's disobedience... Many were made sinners, that's talking of Adam, so also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Amen. Listen to the message version. And it says, verse 18, here it is in a nutshell. Just as one person did wrong and got us all in trouble with sin and death, another person did right and got us out of it. Man, that's good. Let me, let me read that again. Here it is in a nutshell. Just as one person did it wrong and got us all in this trouble with sin and death, another person, Jesus, did it right and got us out of it. But more than just getting us out of trouble, he got us into life. Amen. One man said no to God. 
and put many people in the wrong. One man said yes to God and put many people in the right. The kingdom of God. If you don't have a real grasp of evil, you will not have a real salvation. So let's, let's look at the text. Evil, evil's exposed. Oh, I've got to hurry. Evil's exposed. Demons want to inhabit people. I mean, that's what you see in the text. You say, why is that? So that they can manipulate people and hurt God and hurt people. They come to steal, kill, and destroy. And they hate you and they hate God. And so if they can use you as a pull toy to hurt God and hurt others, they will do it. But they're parasitical in their power, meaning, meaning a pilot fish is, is, is a symbiotic relationship with a, with a tiger shark or a great white, I forget which one. Lice have a symbiotic relationship, but their lice have to have a host. The devil needs somebody to operate through, so if you don't give him a base of operations through your sin, then he can't operate through you. And they, the, the, the devil can inhabit animals as well. Those two lions in Africa are said to be demonized. There was a Christian man that came. They made a movie about it. These lions that prowl around and kill all kinds of people. They would think intelligently and it's just totally bizarre. A Christian man is the one that came up with the plan of how to kill those lions. Pigs. You remember the pigs when, when Jesus confronts the demoniac and they say, please just send us into the pigs. And so they ask for permission. I love that. I love how the demons are like, please, uh, Jesus, can we go to the pigs? And he says, uh, all right, we don't, eat, we don't eat pigs anyway. So, And right there, bam, the first deviled ham right there. <laughs> and you know what those pigs do? Those, those pigs run down and drown themselves as a picture of what demons want to do to you and me. They want to kill, steal, and destroy. And, and notice uh, in your notes at, and verse 39 that sickness can come from a direct attack of the demonic. I'm trying to set a foundation on the people. There's people that have been healed already. And there's people that are here right now, even online, where you're sensing and feeling the power of the Spirit. He's healing you. And I'm helping you give a biblical understanding, a foundation for the kingdom of God. For where the king is, there is this kingdom. And where his kingdom is, there can be no kingdom of darkness. But many times it has to be forcefully evicted. Sickness can come from a direct demonic attack. Verse 39, I had you say it, that the high fever. Jesus goes to Simon's house. And there he sees this, his mother-in-law who's sick with a high fever. It's, it's in Matthew, Mark. It's here in Luke. It's in the Synoptic Gospels. Only in Luke that it says high fever because Luke was a physician. And he notes the high fever. And then Jesus rebukes the high fever. It's the same word that's used for casting out a devil. He rebukes the fever and the sickness. It's a demonic attack. And she's healed and she gets up and she makes hummus and bread and stuff. Serves him. Sickness is the result of living in a fallen world, too. I mean, I, we were just in 35 below zero in Healy. You know, I had a couple moments where I was like, um, need another layer. So, you know, if you're so stupid to stay outside and get freezing cold. I mean, they're, they're saying the wind's blowing and the one particular pass that we went over is less than three or four minutes and you're going to have that black digits. You know what I'm talking about? Frostbite. Yeah, so I mean, you, you can bind the devil as much as you want and stand out in your birthday suit, buddy. You're going to get frozen and you're going to die, right? 
Do you understand, right? So there's a fallenness of, of, of mankind. I mean, that's just because of, you know, we're not superhuman in that way anymore. Fallenness of the world. Number four, Jesus has authority over the demonic. They knew who he was and they were afraid because they knew that they're going to get judged. And, and there's a day when it's all coming to an end. The demons can come to church. I kind of talked about that. I've seen, I've seen people, you know, demons are frequently named after what they manifest. So if a, a, a demon is upon somebody and they're dumb, they can't speak, that would be called a dumb spirit. If, if, if there's a demon upon somebody who can't hear, that would be called a deaf spirit. You say, well, how do you know which one is which? I don't know. If you've got a discernment, then you, you can, you know, you can know. You say, do you have that gift? Sometimes, but I've been wrong so often that I'm not sure I do. So what I do is I just blast it all. I just lock and load. I just find demon power, take authority over the devil, pray for supernatural. I just go for everything and, and get people healed. I mean, if Jesus never made fun of somebody because they had a, a deaf spirit or a dumb spirit. He, he never says, no, you had that. Look at this guy, he had a deaf spirit. <laughs> he, had a, he had a deaf demon. He never does that. People watch so much Netflix, they get confused. But demons can come to church, and I've seen people with a religious demon. A religious demon is one of the worst ones. I think because it, 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 it deafens you to the freedom of the gospel. The demons can come to church if, and I, I will not crack a joke after what I'm about to say. If you are struggling with demon power, let me say this. If you hear dark voices that tell you you're ugly and you're stupid and you should off yourself, that's a demon. If you see, now listen, if you're qualifying here, you can get free during the time of preaching or you can come talk to any one of my staff. It's really not a big deal. I understand what it is to be bound and maybe you do too but maybe you're bound and you don't know it. If you see dark shadows and figures, you look out of your corner of your eye and something just scampered by, that would probably be a demon. Some of you are pressed. There's somebody here, you're pressed down in your bed and you're choked on a regular basis. And, and you, you wake up and, and there's darkness all around you. You're terrified, you're filled with fear, but you can't even open your mouth to say anything. It's a demon. Listen, I can give you a lot of illustrations and examples, but you don't have to stay with that thing. You don't have to partner with that. You can break it off of your life. And if you're getting mad at me right now, you probably have a de you're probably demonized as well. He says, is that living on the inside of me? I don't really know. It's a faulty understanding of spiritual spatial reality. Who knows if it's sitting on your, hand on your head defecating or if it's holding on to your coat. I mean, I how about let's just get rid of it, whatever it is, get rid of it. Pastor Alex, would you set us free on the piano? We see who Jesus is. He's the king of the kingdom. Verse 36, with authority and power, exousia and dunamis. It's, it's, it's two different words for, for power here. And it's, you know, he has it all. He has the authority and the power to drive it out. And so do you as a new creature in Christ. Verse 36, he was sensitive to the needs of others. He goes to have a prayer meeting. They come and pull him out of his prayer meeting and he, he lays hands on people and he prays. It says when the sun has gone down because they were concerned he wouldn't heal on the Sabbath. He spent himself for others. He prayed. Jesus prayed. Verse 42, 
showing us dependence. Listen, the power of the kingdom is a dependency on the one who has the power. It's a relationship. Let me say that again. Your relationship with God will result in a release of power. If your relationship with God is minimal, you'll have a minimal release of God's power. I don't know if you've seen people try to fake it. The seven sons of Sceva are guys that tried to fake it. So they come and they go to cast out a devil in the book of Acts. And they say, in the name of Jesus, who Paul preaches, come out of the man. And the, and the, and the demon says, um, Jesus we know. At Paul we've heard about. Who are you? And the, de- the demon jumps on him. Seven dudes overpowers him, rips all their clothes off. They're the first streakers. You thought it started in the 70s. Didn't. They ran out naked and bleeding. The new name for their ministry was the Naked and Bleeding Ministry. He beat them up because they tried to bring power without relationship. It's like trying to have the ark with no relationship. It's the sons of Eli bring the ark to go fight the battle, but they got, they got whooped and killed. And you can have a cross around your neck and hold on to it as much as you want to. And I'm thankful for the cross and I'm thankful for, I'm thankful for crosses around people's necks, but I'm going to tell you something. You can try to hold on to that thing and rub it as much as you want until, all the, until the gold plate comes off. You're not going to have any more power in your life by holding on to the cross or wearing it on your neck than you would have garlic hanging around your neck to keep yourself from a, from a vampire. The power and authority comes out of relationship and if the Son of God who spent what scholars say th- six hours in prayer I think we ought to have a prayer life. It shows dependency. Oh, my time is up. Lastly, penultimately, he didn't stray from his purpose. Verse 43, he had to go preach. That's what we need to do. God's got a word for us. And the word is very simply this. We've been given power to advance the kingdom. But the church has been dumbed down for far too long. Come on, he's given you power. You will have power, Acts chapter 1 and 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. Without power, it's hard to be the witness. In Jerusalem, Judea, uttermost parts of the earth, nothing by any means will harm you. The devil has supernatural power, but you have power beyond that. You have the kingdom of God. The church is the visible expression of the gathered kingdom of God. The ecclesia, the called out ones. And we got to embrace the king's passion, which is to reach the lost. We're almost done. If you have cancer, stand on your feet right now. There's a couple of you. If, you, if you're fighting cancer, stand up on your feet. All right, I, I, we know we prayed. We're believing, amen, right? Come on, we're gonna pray one more time. There's a third lady here. Where are you? Maybe she wasn't able to stay. She came, she had a hospital band around her neck. We prayed. Maybe she felt so good she decided to go for a run or something. I don't know. Reach your hands towards these people. We believe already and we know the word of God says that it's finished. In the name of Jesus, we speak life. Let faith rise. Let hope rise. Holy Spirit right now. We 
break the hold of cancer and we speak hope to her and this whole family. In the name of Jesus. Cancer, loose your hold. Cancer, loose your hold. Cancer, go. Jesus' name. A good report. Healing divine. Healing divine. Be healed. Healed and whole. Every cell. Not one vestige left. Complete restoration. And that precious lady that was here earlier, we speak life over her. Lord, thank you. I'm just about out of time. We got children up there and our workers work so hard. I want to be sensitive to not wear them out. We will have a miracle service tonight. I've set a foundation for it. The kingdom of God. For where Jesus is, so is his kingdom. That's why he said the kingdom of heaven is within you. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Sickness, infirmity, disease. How come we don't always see them healed? Well, it's all healed once you get to heaven. That's for sure. There's no sickness, no disease there. We exert his authority here and believe and trust him and trust his leadership. I don't know why sometimes cancer goes in one service or sometimes it takes 10 and other times people go to heaven. I don't understand that, but I'm not God. But I do understand the word. Good news. The kingdom of heaven is here. You don't have to be busted. You don't have to be disgusted. You don't have to have a life of torment anymore. You can be free. You can be healed. You can be whole. And then we're supposed to be his ambassadors. We're supposed to be the ones that go tell the good news. Stir up the gift of faith within you. Reach out to your neighbors. Come on, you don't want to stand there on that day and give an account for why your neighbor is not there and you didn't do anything. Yeah, I know it can be uncomfortable, but let the burden of the Lord come upon this congregation. I pray, oh God, Lord, baptize us in a burden to reach the lost in Jesus' name, that there'd be such a multiplication of souls and leaders. Lord, help us release the gospel of the kingdom. Lord, we would stay on point. We'd not be pulled aside to the right or the left or by the things of tradition and time. God, we'd be used by you to spread your kingdom everywhere we go. Devil, take your hands off of God's people. Release your power. Sickness, go. Disease, go. Infirmity, go. Loose your own from every family, every marriage, those that are online, every high school student. Holy Spirit, come. Come by your power. Come by your fire and break demon power off of this community, off of our nation, off of the nations of the world. For it is this reason that you are manifest. That we would be your ambassadors to declare, to proclaim the good news of Jesus. The kingdom of God is at hand. Say it with me. The kingdom of God is at hand. Put your best hand clap together for God. Come on. Come on. You can make it. Because Jesus died and rose again. You can do it. You can overcome. You can conquer. You're more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. God's on the throne. The devil has been defeated. He's for you. So who can be against you? Oh, all the power of heaven. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is available for you. Come on. Come on. Up on your feet. Put your best hand clap together for God. Yes. Yes. Come on. Yes, God. We want to be like
Capernaum. We don't want to be like Nazareth. We want to be like Capernaum, oh God. Come on, give a hallelujah shout on three. One, two, three. Hallelujah. Amen. With every head bowed, every eye closed. You're here. You're not right with God. Don't leave this place in that condition. You want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior for the first time or make a recommitment to Him? Pray this prayer with me right out loud. Say, Dear Heavenly Father. Come on, others are praying, recommitting their lives, and some just affirming their faith. Say, Dear Heavenly Father. Thank you for sending your Son, Jesus, to die in my place, to rise again from the grave for me. Come into my heart. Come into my life. And be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash me, cleanse me, make me new. And use me to expand the kingdom of God. So that when it's all over, I would hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Amen. Let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, I pray. Fill, touch, bless, and commission us. Commission us to bring your kingdom. You've called us to do it. To go into all the world. Lord, that we would go. Our neighbors people at Fred Meyer and cars, people at Walmart, people on the job. Give us a burden for the lost that we would not be moved by anything that would pull us off track. God, we thank you.